That was rocking. That's yeah. You had nothing to do with that song. I didn't. Nothing to do actually. with that song. No, no, you I, didn't even I, drum, and you're I, a drummer. And I you drum didn't even synced do it. That. I drum synced it in in the video that we shot. But that's all JD Warnock, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, JD, JD Warnock. Warnock. Hi everybody. This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com with Eric Moline from Scenestealers.com and Lawrence.com. Yeah, the in the journal world. Two for wherever I write for everybody. Anybody really? Anyone that'll let him? Anyone that'll pay him a wooden nickel and give him the time of day? <laughs> or a free movie? Yeah. Speaking of free movies, we we, we saw uh, a movie called Cedar Rapids this week that we we'll talk about in a bit. We did. We're going to talk about Cedar Rapids, Ed Helms' first you know starring role in a movie. Uh, then we're also going to talk about some Oscar parties we've got coming up. Oscars. Oh, and then also I put myself through a bad movie this week for you Insomniac did. Movie Theater. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about it too. I watched the Frank Miller movie, The Spirit. Yep, The Spirit. It uh, looks like Sin City, but it's not as good. Yeah, so we're going to shelve that for now and go back to the beginning with Cedar Rapids. You were, what, 16? And I'm thinking, here's a kid who's going to go places, and then somehow you just didn't. Oh, yeah. Tim Lippy didn't know where his life was going. I need you to go down to Cedar Rapids and prove Brown Star's a good outfit. Oh, sweet. But that was before Cedar Rapids. Incredible. There's palm trees. The whole place smells like chlorine. It's like I'm in Barbados or somewhere. This insurance convention is important. You can count on me. One thing. Steer clear of Dean Ziegler. Double stock my mini bar, please. Hey, Ned, getting some honey on your stinger? I love it. The Rhino. <laughs> What's the matter, friend? You never seen a chocolate vanilla love sandwich before? This is a party headquarters right here. Of course, I have my guilty pleasures of antiquing. Shots, let's do them. Okay, cream sherry. Cream sherry. This one's weird. You look like R two D two. That's not what he sounds like. I'm having a perfect moment. Insurance agents get people's lives back on track. You are a hero. You're the Superman type. We're gonna be fine! Just give me your hand, bro. I don't trust people with ponytails. Oh, Ed Helms. If you want to party, you let me know. You got it. Party hardy. <laughs> I made love to a woman. She's not that pretty yet. Her mouth tastes like cigarettes. John C. Riley. If you want to survive this business, you got to dance with the tiger. How do you make the tiger dance? You got to show him a little teeth. I don't even want to know. I'm so bummed out! I'm so bummed out! Where's Timbo? He's practically my best friend at this point. You just met him two days ago. You're probably uninsured. No! Timbo! Hey! I'm straight up gangster, and I always keeps one in the chamber in case you pondering. What happened right there? I looked up and Ronald was talking like a ghetto person. But I do a pretty convincing Omar from the HBO program The Wire. Cedar Rapids. What happened? I got beat up, got completely blotto, and befriended a prostitute. It was awesome. Someone deserves two bags of honey roasted peanuts. Two bags. Super awesome. Cedar Rapids is uh, directed by Miguel Arteta, mm -hmm. who uh, did Chuck and Buck, The Good Girl, uh, most recently Youth and Revolt with Michael Cera. Mm -hmm. And uh, it stars Ed Helms as a small-town insurance agent from Wisconsin, uh, Brown Star Insurance, yeah. which is one of many kind of uh, vulgar uh, jokes in the movie. And um, 
uh, yeah, I don't want to derail anything, but the movie has this really sweet quality to it that, that uh, ultimately is its saving grace. But well, no, you, you got off topic. Let's go back I did, to the plot. I did. So plot. Ed Helms uh, comes to the big burgeoning metropolis of Cedar Rapids, Iowa yeah, well, for yeah. an insurance conference. Here's the deal, right? I really like the fact that, um, that you've got this wide-eyed, innocent kind of guy. He's mm-hmm. a, this naive character, but I felt that... Um, you know, that, that once he gets to Cedar Rapids and he sees uh, these other insurance agents played by John C. Riley, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and Anne Heche, uh, you know, he, he enters into this totally foreign world. Uh, in, his, uh, in his mind, insurance agents are like supermen. They're, yeah. they're uh, guys in, in knights in shining armor who uh, help these people uh, make sure that they're covered in case of an accident or a loss. Of course, these days, uh, a, lot, a lot of people will mistake them for sharks he uh goes to this conference and it's like this den of sin it's like this summer camp for adults where everybody's drinking and partying and making yeah. raunchy jokes and deansy uh played by john c Riley, is the most vulgar of all he's oh, been he's warned incredible. against him he's, he's been incredible. warned against him and and here's the thing uh john c Riley is definitely doing uh, the the big boorish kind of character that he does in in uh, his more broad movies like the Will Ferrell movies that he that he stars in, um, but there's something and he's such a good actor. There's there's this really sympathetic, real quality to yeah. Dinsey, this quiet desperation that you just you can't help but like this guy even as he's saying the the worst <laughs> shit in public. Oh, that's great. He he is a good friend and he knows what it's like. He's to be loyal a yeah. and and I don't know. There, there are several mentions and uh, of of sort of his quality of character, you know, I mean, you get the idea that he's this wild man, but then he'll casually mention, um, what's going on with his ex wife (laughs) and how he handled that or how their daughter got pregnant. He's like, did she take her to the doctor? No. Did she take me? You know, I did all that stuff. And, um, he was actually, he's definitely my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. And and he crept up on me too, Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, there's, uh, without, without that character making that change and without the audience, learning to love all these guys who, 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 you know, they wear their suits and their ties and everything's mm-hmm. outdated. There's wood paneling everywhere. And, and these guys are just, you know, this is their big deal, right? Yeah. They're coming to Cedar Rapids. And, um, but without that kind of stuff, I don't, I don't think the movie would have worked because honestly, mm-hmm. it's not a laugh out loud, funny movie. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a movie that you're just like, Oh my God. Ah. It's, it's kind of just a quiet little, uh, uh, I wouldn't call it subtle because the the script itself is pretty rote. I really think that the actors and the way that the director approached the material makes it's not it work a, it, the best. It's it's not a very physical comedy. Right. Well, I would disagree. That. There several people laughed out loud at different moments when I screened it, um, myself included. The scene where they're in the pool that they show in the trailer that mm-hmm. that had a lot of comedic um, charm to me. One of the things that I liked the most about the movie is that, and I thought, you know, going into it, that it was going to just sort of use small towns as a punchline the whole time and be like, ha ha, you're from a small town. Ha ha, you don't know the world. But they, they really, um, don't do that. Or at least I didn't, I didn't perceive it as that. Um, with Ed Helms character, he is very wide eyed and he's very innocent, but it's not because he's from a small town necessarily. It's because he, um, lost both his parents when he was young and had to start working, you know, at age 18 or 16 or something like that. He's been at it ever since. So he lost all that time being able to, you know, go out and, you know, accrue experience, world experience. So they really sidestepped what I thought would have been a really cheap joke and a really cheap writing ploy. And that, that made me like the movie a lot um, right yeah, well, away. Right, right at the beginning, um, he's, he's dating his... Um, 
elementary school teacher from yeah. when he was 12 years old, uh, played by Sigourney Weaver, and he doesn't realize it because he's so naive that they're not actually boyfriend and girlfriend. She's just having sex with him. And right. right off the bat, at the very beginning of the movie, we get a couple of those scenes that are pretty adult-oriented, right? So yeah. we know that we're in for something a little bit different, but then the, the film kind of relaxes into uh, what I thought was the weakest part, the, the screenplay itself. Uh, some 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 pretty, I don't know, rote characters. Like there's a, a bad guy played by Kurtwood Smith uh, from that 70s show, and there's a um, another character... I don't think those characters are fleshed out at all. No, they're not. They're just they're just the normal stereotype. The bad guy has to come in and do this at this time. Yeah. And it, and it's it's it stinks because the rest of the film works so well. It's basically yeah. the relationship between these four people and and their time at quote summer camp, you know, together and and yeah. and Ed Helms actually does have a, a lot of growing to do because he's such a child and and he kind of learns to grow up and 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 crammed into what two or three days at this conference right, yeah he's got an yeah. entire summer's worth of growing because up to do a full adult yeah, yeah. In, including a really funny sequence and a sweet sequence with a prostitute uh played <laughs> Aaliyah Shawkat from yeah. Arrested Development yeah and so you know overall I, I maybe I didn't laugh out loud as much as you did but I think I liked it as much as you did yeah. I think Cedar Rapids it's not the kind of subtle character mm-hmm. study uh, that we usually get from indie filmmakers yeah yeah. Uh, and it's not really the big type of broad comedy that you'll get if you if you think you're getting something like The Hangover. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in between. And it hits a nice little sweet spot. And, and uh, I think if you're looking for something right now that'll that'll please you and, and, and that'll make you walk away smiling, I think Cedar Rapids is a perfect movie for that. So if you guys, uh, people listening out there, uh, actually see Cedar Rapids this weekend or want to talk about any of the other reviews on the Scene Stealers podcast, you can do that. Give us a call. We have a number. It's 913-256-5434. And leave us a message and uh, let us know what you think um, about anything that we talk about on the show. Or if you've got some Oscar picks, that would be perfect because uh, we're going to be talking about the Oscars next week. And we will play it on next week's podcast. We will. You can also email us at trevin at lawrence.com or eric at scene-stealers.com. All right. Well, Oscar day is approaching. It is approaching. The 27th? 7th, uh, yeah, Sunday. Sunday yep. the 27th. Next Sunday. And <clears throat> in preparation for that, we've both done a couple of things. You have a uh, pretty big uh, Oscar party going on in Kansas City I wanted to ask you about. If I, yeah. If I could, can I come? Is it okay if I come? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can come. I'm not going to disqualify you because okay, uh, you have uh, opinions I don't agree with about uh, the movies that are going to win. Actually, no, we'll talk about that next week. But we are having a, a, a contest. Uh, you can go to scene-stealers.com, and um, you can enter. We're going to have a survey up there and put all your picks in. Anytime between now and before uh, 6 o'clock on Sunday, the 27th, mm-hmm. and that will store uh, your ballot. We'll have it printed out and waiting for you in case you can't make it to the Crosstown Station uh, in Kansas City on time uh, before, I believe, 7 o'clock is when it starts. Usually the first award's about 7.15, 7.20. Yeah. Um, so the winner is going to get first crack at a ton of prizes that we have, uh, mainly uh, movie posters um, from the last year in film. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, drinking and hanging out and watching the show and making fun of it and getting excited about it at the same time. So Oscar watch party, Crosstown Station, uh, 6 or 7 o'clock, uh, Kansas City. 
Um, I'm you guys also, are doing a contest, too. We are also doing a contest. It's far more humble. If you go to Lawrence.com right now, there is a uh, billboard image for the Oscar 2011 contest on Lawrence.com. We're also putting on the Lawrence Journal World. It's a simple survey. You just fill it out. You pick the winners, and then you also name a time that you think the Oscars are going to end. It's a good tiebreaker. It's a good tiebreaker. I learned it from you. And uh, then... I'm watching you! And um, then... Uh, after the Oscars are over, I tabulate the uh, the winners. I check them out, and then we're giving away five pairs of passes to any Hollywood movie theater in the country, including the Southwind 12 here in Lawrence. You're listening to the Scene Stealers podcast with Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com and Eric Moline from ScenesStealers.com. Uh, by all means, comment. If you get a chance, let us know what you're thinking, or you can call us at 913 Every week uh, at scenestealers.com, Trevin McGee uh, stays up really late at night and watches a film of dubious quality. Yeah, sometimes it's they're good, sometimes they're bad. And uh, what did you watch this week? This week for Insomniac Movie Theater, just what I named it so long ago, not even a year, I watched The Spirit. Frank Miller's Frank The Spirit. Frank Miller's based The on Spirit. Will Eisner's, Will Eisner's the, Spirit. the Spirit. Give yeah. us a little background on The Spirit. The Spirit basically came about because Frank Miller was the guy behind the, the graphic novels for Sin City that Robert Rodriguez based the movie on. The movie made a lot of money and was sort of really known at the time for its unique visual style and how closely it mirrored the comic book. And because of that, Rodriguez actually gave Miller co-directing credit. He did. He did. And repeatedly during the time that they were shopping that movie around at Comic-Con and places like that, he said, you know, this is, this is Frank Miller's. Sin City. This is not my Sin City. This is Frank Miller's Sin City. So for better or worse, Frank Miller got attached to that and became associated with that. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Zack Snyder, a little up-and-coming director who had just done a remake of Dawn of the Dead at that point, did 300, another Frank Miller story, which again banked heavily on um, computers and composite shots, special effects to match the visuals. CGI backgrounds. CGI backgrounds, CGI yeah, environments, uh, treating the film digitally after the fact, shooting on digital, I think, at certain times. And it, too, mirrored Frank Miller's story and plot um, and characters very, very closely. So between those two movies, which were both big successes, they both um, cost very little in comparison to how a lot of people considered they looked. They looked very expensive to some people, so... Um, I say some people because I think they both look like crap, and, and I hate both those movies. Oh, but, my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll agree with you on 300, but no, I'm not going to go there with Sin City. Uh, okay. Either way, they made, they made a lot of money. They, either the way, they made part. a lot That's of money, and, and it, because he was associated with both those, he was then given the spirit. And like you said earlier, the spirit is based on a Will Eisner uh, comic book. Will Eisner, if you don't know, was a big guy in comics um, or in the sort of golden age. Um, and there's still an Eisner Award based on his work that, that's given out every year. And he basically did everything that I hate about Frank Miller in this movie. It's like, it's <laughs> like the spirit is a metaphor for everything that sucks about Frank Miller. And I honestly do think Frank Miller sucks. Um, I think he used to be good, which is a really, I know it's a really passe thing to say and whatever, but something happened to him in the 90s, and he really, really, really decided that he was just going to write very one-dimensional boring characters and try and deal with archetypes in a in a in a very self-serious way and the end result has been just a stream of one you know boring one-dimensional misogynistic um over violent 
um, garbage that just sort of ties in, tries to ape from these genres and then pretend that it's homage. Now, are you opinion. talking, have you have you leaped beyond his, his comic output in this time and are you now talking about Well, I'm saying I'm saying they're interchangeable at this point. I'm saying they're interchangeable because a lot of his bad habits carry over from one to the other. He... And this was a big problem in Sin City, and it and it rears its head again in um, 300, and it's definitely there in the spirit. He leans heavily on uh, internal monologue, heavily on voiceover and internal monologue, to the point that a lot of stuff that could be done on screen is done um, with voiceover, and it's unnecessary. And um, it kind of speaks to his limitations as a as a first time director, um, but also as a writer who's used to having to deal with inanimate um, comic panel frames that he has to sort of write around. Um, I'll agree with that on the spirit, but I'm going to argue vehemently against it in the case of, of Sin City. And I realize we're supposed to be talking about the spirit, but I think Sin City, you can tell there's an actual filmmaker behind it. There's a guy who knows how to tell a story. He knows how to weave these stories together. And because he's working in the genre of noir, okay. I think the voiceover again, is absolutely necessary. Again, and it works. Again, um, not about Robert Rodriguez. Right, about right, about Frank Miller and about right. Frank Miller's writing in that case, if you're going to talk about Sin City, and the writing leans too heavily on voiceover. That's my point. In? In, uh, in both, but in Sin City, when you're talking about how it's necessary. No, it's not necessary. Oh, it absolutely is it's, necessary. No, it's not. But I don't want to talk about Sin City. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crap movie, too, and I don't know oh why you like it. I've seen it four or five times. I've watched the director's cut. doesn't get any better with more footage. I know that. It's just, an ex- you know, it's, it's just everything about Frank Miller. Um, and the spirit is that to a core. What does Frank Miller do when he gets a project? Well, he hires... Um, a bunch of eye candy that don't go anywhere. He writes a bunch of two-dimensional boring characters. He lets Samuel L. Jackson go off the chain and just be insane. Thank and, God. and that's supposed to be fun or lively, and it's not. It's just lazy. It's just poor direction and, and lazy and stupid. Um, <laughs> the, the no-name actor that plays uh, the spirit, um, he's got all the personality of a stick of broccoli. Everything that you said about archetypes absolutely applies to the spirit. I think even in Sin City to a point because of, of uh, the genre that he's dealing with, but I think Rodriguez is able to pull some character out of there. And those are some re- there's some really interesting and fun characters, especially Marv, uh, played by Mickey Rourke in, in Sin City. But in the spirit, I agree. No real characters, complete archetypes, one dimensionality, but I defend the spirit. I gave it a minor rock fist up. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember because uh, my jaw hit the floor. I originally reviewed it. And I you weren't it. the only one. Like, we all are. A lot of times, I think it's like Stockholm Syndrome at, at these screenings. Because I remember this. This was a winter screening. It wasn't for the public. It was just for press people. And um, it was like we'd been beaten up and I, to me, it was like we'd been beaten up, and we all kind of decided it was good after, you know, well, I wasted two hours. It's got, I guess it was good. It had to have been good. I went all the way down here in the middle of the winter for yeah, the screening. Yeah, and, and my guys, my, my friends are talking about it, and they don't have bad, I guess it was good. I don't, I don't know. I feel that, yes, the spirit is a mess, but we should talk about the fact that uh, this is based on uh, an original work from the 40s, and so yeah. there's a completely different... Um, way of, of speaking and a really old-fashioned kind of storytelling that's really outdated right now. Granted, Miller does not tell the story well. He's, he's not uh, yeah, moving but, it forward but also with skill, but what he is doing is he's sticking to that milieu, and I think the way that people talk back then uh, you know, really comes through in this movie, and it's mm-hmm. kind of charming. Even though it's dated and it doesn't work that well, it's still kind of charming. 
Then there are these big scenes like you're talking about where Samuel L. Jackson is chewing up the scenery, Scarlett oh, the Johansson. Whole time. But the stuff that's happening uh, in those scenes is so over the top and inspired that I couldn't help but laugh it's out loud. It's inspired? Yeah, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm laughing out loud because the scene is working or if I'm laughing out loud because they just had the balls to go there. But what I liked about it is this Miller is at least breaking free of this idea of a reality. And I hate watching movies that are just tied to a, a specific reality. When things go off the rails and the world expands and does things that can't happen just because something that's coming out of a character's mouth suggests that that might be able to happen and then we see it visually, I respond to that because that's pure cinema. Now, whether it works or not for the movie, I think it's lazy, and it makes sense. Too. That's another thing. It's it's a train wreck of a film, but I yeah. think uh, it definitely can be enjoyed. And I'm surprised that you were up late and you didn't like it at all. Here's here's some things I take issue with your defense of it. Um, first of all, it aside from name and some of the character names, it it bears very little semblance to the Will Eisner work. It's not actually based off of a story in the spirit or anything else. The the spirit. Uh, comic book was a very sort of pulpy detective kind of thing where this guy ran, he didn't have any powers, he just kind of ran around at night and fought crime and he, he was kind of like a Green Lantern in a way, or a Green Hornet in a way. Um, here he's this indestructible um, Superman that, you know, he doesn't know why he can't die, but he can't die um, and neither he's, can... It's like Superman in that he's watching over this entire city he, he's, too. He looks over this city and, and yeah, and, and then there's some really overwrought scenes with him um, being beckoned by Lady Death, played by Jamie uh, King, which is another you know girl that from Sin City, from Sin City yeah. that Frank Miller was just like I put her in there, and um, so that goes on, and th- 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 there's just a lot of recurring gags and jokes that don't really work well, like the octopus's stupid henchman, um, played by uh, Louis, Louis Lombardi. Lombardi. Yeah, um, which, man, I loved it when he died in 24, and I don't care if that <laughs> spoils it. It's sweet when he gets killed. <laughs> He's a clone. There's two of them, twin clones every time they die or different terrible things happen to them, and you just see another pair of them later. And they're distinguished by their T-shirts, which have words on them that end in OS. Yeah. So you'll see pathos and ethos. Yeah. Um, the last pair that you see before the movie ends is adios amigos. Yeah. Yeah. Not funny once. I'm I'm annoyed having just explained the premise and and <laughs> it runs the entire course of the movie. It's infuriating. Like that's the kind of humor that takes place in this movie. It did another thing. I mean, it was like a checklist of things I hated. Um, it uh, wastes time with with useless uh, flashbacks. It tries to complicate thi- an already convoluted plot with this stupid love triangle. Um, it's got Frank Miller's signature depiction of women, which they're either they're they're either Madonnas or whores. They can't do anything for themselves, or they're so independent that they drive anyone away, and they're just meant as sex objects. Like, those are the only two types of women in Frank Miller movies or, or books or comics or whatever. Those are the only type of women that exist. And so that was that was in full force. The the characters, I mean, it's almost it's almost too gen, uh, genuine to uh, or too generous to call them characters. Yeah, no, because that's, of how yeah, how little goes on with them. The female. Um, cop that works alongside the chief um, and she has a big gun at the end of the movie and shoots the octopus a bunch of times she's literally like 
like, hey, chief, what are we doing here, chief? You know, that, that's, that's, her, that's the extent of her character. And she's in so many scenes. And I enjoyed the so commitment, his absolute commitment to this older style of filmmaking where you've got people talking. Where you've got girls uh, with in, big guns going, hey, chief, what do I in, do? In a dated uh, cadence, you know. I mean, a lot of people uh. thought Jennifer Jason Lee was annoying and the Hudsucker proxy. <laughs> Uh, but this is the same type of thing, you know, and and he's really committing to that. And I, I enjoyed the uh, the old fashioned uh, kind of dialogue and and things like that. I took it for what it was. Like I said, it doesn't add up, but I think that it's uh, it's definitely worth watching if you've if you've got the right attitude. And and I should say uh, right up front that I am a sucker for film noir. So even when this is not done uh, well at all. <laughs> like here, in a consistent manner, there are that's little, the other thing. Those, little pleasures those much that I can vaunted, get out of it. those the much vaunted visuals that that you know were similar from the same page as as yeah, Sin City. Those are so it. yeah, those yeah. are so inconsistent throughout the movie. It's not even a, a decided upon style, right? Um, but sometimes when it breaks free of that, that's what I enjoyed, like the Nazi yeah. imagery and the dentist chair. That was uh, awesome. Yeah, that, that was, was just completely yeah, insane. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I really enjoyed. But there's, it. I think there's a difference between you know comic absurdity and just sort of lazy self congratulatory. Nonsense. Well, and agree. that's what it's, I think it's this no, was. It's no Freddy Got Fingered. I mean, it's not nearly that good. So right. Well, it's no Crank Two. You know, it's no just un unmetered. We're going to devolve this argument into uh, it's the, no, two, the two movies that we love to defend. Yeah, that's the spirit. That's that's literally everything I have to say about the spirit. It sounds like you had a lot of Frank Miller ness to get off your chest. I did. You know, I, I it started with Sin City, and I remember I watched it the first time, and and you know, I don't want to sound like one of those guys. Oh, I watched it and I liked it, but um, I did watch it the first time, and I was okay with it. And then I went back with my girlfriend and one of her friends. And just sort of realized, like I saw it in the theater again, and was just like, wait a minute, all the women are whores or stupid. Like every woman in this movie is just either a weird fetish object or an idiot. And that I that really bugged me. And then there are a lot of plot points that were bad. I was like, this isn't Rodriguez's fault because he's just directing. It's the source material. And I, I found a lot of things wrong with that. Having been such an ardent fan of his from the 80s, I love, you know, everyone loves The Dark Knight. I love The Dark Knight. I love his output on Daredevil. I love so much of the stuff that he did in the 80s. And and then just seeing what he's become, it really irks me that he's sort of cheapened himself with so many um, lazy character types. We don't have time to go into. I've been holding my breath while he's been bad-mouthing Sin City again, which is a movie that has a... A great opening, a huge middle section with all these characters with interrelated stories and the same themes, and then a great ending. And uh, it was put together really well. And I've rewatched it several <laughs> times and think it's great. Now he's crying, uh, by the way, Eric. Like he was holding his breath so hard that there's uh, just a single tear running yeah, down his a, cheek, a single crimson tear of <laughs> yeah, blood <a> and <laughs> mixed with <laughs> urine. A little bloody tear. You know, I, I, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, but but you, uh, I will agree that he writes certain. Uh, uh, one-dimensional characters a lot. That yeah. said, let's not go into this, but um, 300, the movie, is an ultimate piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So we're going to end it there. Uh, agree to disagree in a gentlemanly way, at least for <laughs> now. If I get to the parking lot first, though, Moline's going to have some pop tires. Next week... you are going to say Pop-Tarts. Yeah, well, gonna I'm going to give you some Pop-Tarts. I prefer Frosted. I, I just put them underneath the windshield wiper yeah. like a parking ticket. Just so you know, yeah. I prefer Frosted. Okay. 
Next week is Hall Pass, uh, the new Fairly Brothers comedy with Jason Sudeikis and Owen Wilson. Mm -hmm. And we will predict the Oscars. Check out the Oscar contest on Lawrence.com. Go to scenestealers.com if you want to find out about the Oscar party in Kansas City on the 27th. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you.